0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let's stand, shall we? Praise the Lord. Why don't we lift our hands and our voices? What a powerful, sweet, sweet presence of the Lord. Thank you, God, for meeting with us one more time. Thank You, Lord, for the power of Your Word. Thank You for Your Spirit to move in this place. God, to minister at our point of need. Thank You so very much. Thank You so very much. Thank You so very much. Amen. Amen. If you'll join me in the book of Mark, chapter 9, we're going to an age-old passage. But I'll promise you this, we can find some timeless truths there. Yes, we'll just let God's Word speak to our heart here this evening. The book of Mark, chapter 9, verse number 23. Amen. Thank you, Brother Chris Osborne, for just testifying of that truth tonight. Amen. The book of Mark, chapter 9, verse 23. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said, With tears. Amen. This was not This was not just an excuse. <laughs> this was not just trying to find a nail to hang something on, but with tears. Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief, and uh, I know there, I know the direction that we normally take when we use this passage of scripture and we talk about this story. But if you'll just hook your wagon to mine this evening, <laughs> Amen. Let's let's just see what the Lord will speak to our heart. I want to talk to you this this afternoon from this thought: the power of God in us, the power of God in us. And I know sometimes that in in our little Pentecostal jargon that we talk so much about power and revival and blah, 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 so sometimes it almost loses its impact. But I just want to talk about the power of God, the anointing, or should I say maybe the authority of God, the virtue of God in us. Amen. Lord, I love you and I thank you for your spirit, and I pray that you'll just anoint this word to our heart, it is anointed, but help us to receive it in such a fashion to speak to us, to strengthen us, to establish our steps. And I pray that you'll help us tonight in Jesus' name we pray. The only know the name I know to pray in. Jesus' name. You may be seated. Amen. You know, I, I will say that this passage of scripture Uh, has been a consolation to me. I'm very thankful for the honesty of this nameless and faceless character who wasn't cut in editing. (laughs) I'm glad someone didn't say, no, 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 let's don't put that in there because that might propagate weakness. Because it's recorded, I find hope for people like me who have found myself standing right here. I believe but I'm struggling in that belief. I have faith, and I'm thankful for that faith, but I am also aware imminently of those seasons of time where I just didn't feel like I could wrap my hands around what I needed. didn't think I could wrap my mind around what I was facing. And um, I'm thankful for the Bible characters that are given to us with great, great transparent honesty. The book of Mark chapter 9 opens with Jesus and his disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration and uh, the the mountaintops we refer to in our, uh, again, our church vernacular speak of seasons of of success or seasons of jubilance or revival. And the valleys oftentimes are referred to as seasons and times of trial. And uh, I certainly understand what we mean when we say that, and I'm thankful for mountaintop experiences, and they're wonderful places to be, but uh, and wonderful things to have. I'm thankful for every experience in the Lord that I've had that has been filled with joy joy and excitement and direction. But there, there comes a time when, when we have to just go back down into the valley, and I'm not necessarily talking about the valley of despair, but the valley is really where we live. That's really where we exist. Every day living, just the routine. And, and the people who get addicted to sensationalism, they have a hard time living in the routine. And in the, in the valley. In the valley or in the routines of our life, the challenge for us is to bring those mountaintop experiences and weave them into everyday living. I'm thankful for the power of God. I've had some tremendous experiences. It's been very hard for me today to think about this particular story and talking, preaching, or teaching on this topic tonight without my mind going back to many of those experiences. And I'm not going to name them one by one, but my mind has just gone back to many times when I just felt such a great time and season in God. But I didn't live there. I didn't, just, uh, I didn't stay there. Again, nor did I go to the Valley of Despair, but just somewhere in that middle. David said, my foot standeth in an even place. And so now in this even place, I've got to try to find the ability to bring those experiences into everyday life. And God help us that we can do that because that's what we need in order to adequately minister to other people. Now, the word minister is oftentimes misunderstood to mean preach. Really, the word minister means serve to serve or servant. And so, in order for us to serve this world and be a servant to the kingdom and in the kingdom, then I've got to have God help me bring those experiences that have been real into everyday living. I think about... The young man who said, I once was blind, but now I see. There's one thing I know. Yesterday I couldn't see, but today I can. And so now I've got to bring that experience into everyday living because there came a time when the crowds dispersed. There came a season in this young man's life that as time went on, everybody that he began to meet now and the friends that he meets this side of that experience only know him as a seeing individual. They didn't know him as a blind young man or a blind man. And so there are friends that can't even relate to what happened to him in some past moment in his life. And so he had to figure out how to bring that experience into everyday living five years, ten years down the road. Sometimes we, we miss the point in what God is trying to do in our lives. I certainly can say that of me. And often we find ourselves attempting to do the work of god without a lot of success there have been times that i've rolled up my sleeves to tackle something only to fail can i get a witness (laughs) and uh, most of the time i've been a little bewildered about that i wonder why god didn't just honor my effort wonder why god didn't honor my passion. Why God didn't honor the sweat on my top lip or the sweat on my brow. And sometimes we back up and hit it again. And oftentimes we miss the point that Jesus Christ consistently tries to teach us. And that point is simply this. That faith is the key to everything in the kingdom. It's not about brute strength. And it's not about pomp and circumstance. And it's not always about ability or talent. But God is honoring faith. And so throughout the earthly ministry or teaching ministry, certainly of Jesus, His main focus was that of faith. I've often said that when we talk about faith, that the Lord doesn't expect us to have faith in faith alone or just faith in some formula alone. But our faith is to be placed in Him. I'm thankful for all the vehicles that we have to help us have church. I'm, I'm very thankful for that. I'm humbled by every tool that God has placed in our hand. But my faith cannot be placed in those vehicles alone. My faith has got to be in the Lord. I'm thankful that we're in out of the weather tonight. And I'm thankful that we're in an, in an attractive building. I'm thankful for that. I'm glad that the air conditions working on this muggy June evening but my faith can't be in this building and my faith can't be in the air conditioning system because I've been in this building when it wasn't working and the humidity wasn't out of here and and on and on and and, uh, I've been here when things failed and things let us down and so faith not in faith alone or not faith in some formula or faith in some vehicle but faith in God. And so Jesus takes this inner circle of disciples disciples to the mountaintop and they're having a great experience. And and this experience is not just so they have something to put in their journal. This is not something that they experience just so they can share this with their children and or grandchildren. But He is trying to encourage them to believe. And this is something that we need to understand if we are going to be successful both in our own personal walk with God and in our ministry to others. I'm talking about the power of God in us. The authority of God in us. Jesus is about to encounter problems that are problems that are a direct end result of the lack of faith. And then reveals something very powerful to his disciples. And I think in turn to us, this audience tonight. And that is the importance of faith and the importance of prayer. You see, there are just some things we can't outgrow. We never, we never get beyond them. If we can come to understand the, and practice these two keys, then we can unlock doors that lead to the power of God in our lives. The story begins with the disciples coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration and, and Jesus has miraculously been touched and changed even in their very presence. And for a brief moment on that mountain, Eternity and time were joined together. In that brief moment of time, there was something that happened that changed all of their lives forever. Without a doubt, they were filled with with something in their spirit that I feel would, would be evident to anybody around them. Much like Moses when he came down off the mountain of Mount Sinai. When he came down, the Bible says that the people recognized that his countenance was different. And I believe that this is a similar experience, that these men were changed. There was something about this encounter that they would not shake off any time soon. They were filled with divine encouragement, but they were about to confront something that was going to be altogether different. They were about to confront something that we deal with, really, on a regular basis. And what they were about to experience is, is just this how insufficient we are in our flesh. I, I'm, I'm not trying to, to strip anybody of any confidence tonight, but I tell you that in ourself alone, we just do not have the ability. I, I can speak. I've been preaching long enough to be able to get up here and speak without the anointing of God in my life. I, I, I shudder just to even say that to illustrate a point Amen. But I, I I'm not here to just try to feel a gap in your calendar. I'm not here to try to feel some space of time. But we are we are we're realizing tonight that that we if we're going if anything divine happens here it won't be because of of the songs that were that we're singing or it won't be but the key that they were in it won't be the beat of the music. It, it will if there's anything divine that happens here tonight we're going to have to have a divine intervention. Amen. And so I feel sometimes so inadequate in my flesh. The book of Mark 9, let Let's, if you have that still open, look at verse 17 and 18. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And where, wheresoever he taketh him, he, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Amen. What a stark moment of revelation. When we realize that we can't just say it because it's us. We can't just do it because of who we are, our pedigree, our last name. We've got to understand this moment. I believe if I were to ask for a showing of hands and we were just real honest, we could say, we've all been right here when we prayed a prayer and it just fell at our feet when we when we moved in our own strength and in our own flesh i've preached more than one sermon that i feel like didn't make it past this little stand right here now i could i could try to push push all that off on on you say that you came to church and were carnal and distracted and you didn't receive the word and I could just go home and re- ask God to forgive everybody that was here. Or I could let God teach me a lesson and say, see there I told you you couldn't do it by yourself. <laughs> and I think everybody says Brother Corin's kind of cackling back there. I'm glad you like that sir. But uh, <laughs> I think we've all been right there when God just kind of takes one step back. And he just kind of distanced himself just a little bit and lets us feel the whole weight. Because every now and then, we can kind of get to thinking, we got this. I got this. I got this. And if we think that, then God just kind of backs away. And we realize that in a moment of time, what we really have to have is the authority or the power of God in us. Amen. I want you to look at this This particular encounter, the first thing that Jesus was going to encounter was the failure of his own disciples to deal with a situation. Notice first, the astonishment of the people, and straightway the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running, they saluted him. perhaps the, the glory of this transfiguration moment. That I mentioned a moment ago, when we encounter the glory of God, it is a fearful thing, and and, uh, and and perhaps that is why Jesus came in the form that He did, because we couldn't behold Him in His fullness. Amen. We can't look on Him and live, as the Scripture said. I'm thankful that we just can behold the glory of God in small doses. I'm thankful for the anointing and the power of God that I feel here in this house right now, this very moment. But do you know what we feel and what we're experiencing right now is just a measure of God. God could not show up in His fullness in this house and us even be able to comprehend that. But the Scripture teaches us that as we behold Him little by little, in in measured parts, so to speak, that we are changed from glory to glory by that very nature. Amen. By that very image. I'm thankful that every time I walk through these doors, I have this understanding. Walking in church tonight was not about getting a gold star by my name. It was not about getting a check beside my name. It was not about showing up so that I can garner some sort of points. But when I come in to this house, I experience just a little bit more of Him. And I am changed from glory to glory, moment by moment. The Word of God, the Spirit of God revealing itself in my heart. I'm thankful for that. We come next to the argument of the scribes in verse 14. When he had came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. The argument centered around the inability of the disciples to deal with this demon-possessed boy. They had tried and failed. And no doubt the scribes were giving them, maybe in our own language, a hard time. And you know what? The world really hasn't changed a whole lot, has it? Amen. The only reason uh, many times that, that some people are saying anything is just so they can be critical of what is not happening. Amen. The only reason you have human failure, I'll, I'll answer this question if you're worried about it. The only reason you have human failure is because you've got human involvement. <laughs> and as long as you've got human involvement, you're going to have human failure. Amen. That's never going to change. But because humans fail, that's not a reflection upon God. It's not a reflection upon God. God is able. And so Jesus asked the crowd to explain what the discussion was all about. So there was a spokesman in the group, and in his answer, we see that the anguish of a father. He said in verse 17, And the one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. This child was in trouble and needed the spirit and the power of God. In his, in his inquiry later in the, in the text, we find that this man's son had been this way from birth, or from childhood at least. And so this father's heart was broken because, like every father, or every normal father, he loved his son. And so he conveyed that love when he said in verse 22, Take pity on us, in essence, and help us. Don't just look at us. Don't just behold the plight that stands before you, but help us. He was not condemning the disciples. He was really pleading his case. He had brought his son to them, and they had tried and failed. Human inadequacy was apparent. I'm going to tell you that I have tried and I have failed. I'll tell you furthermore, you have tried and you have failed. And we come to that place where we realize that my own strength and my own ability is not enough, is not enough. Just earlier this morning, I was on the phone with a circumstance or situation not related to this church at all. And I I was speaking, listening really to someone that began to pour out their their. They're problems. I'm not talking about a small problem, but an overwhelming problem. And I was just sitting there trying to think of something to say. And I could think of nothing to say without it sounding trite. I could think of nothing that would be adequate to fill the gap or the void or the crevice that was in this man's heart. And I just thought to myself, Lord, if you don't anoint this mind, if you don't anoint my mouth with something to say, then then I have nothing. I'm I'm coming up all zeros. Can I get a witness in this place? I'm coming up all zeros. I'm coming up empty. I don't have the answer. But Lord, I know there is an answer. And we realize that that moment of human inadequacy and that desperation of, uh, of of a father and the failure of disciples, and they weren't proud about this moment. This wasn't a shining moment. I'm sure they're somewhat embarrassed that this is in their resume, but nevertheless, this is where we are. They had attempted to apply some formula and it had not worked. They didn't have the power in themselves to make it work. And and this father was also powerless as well. If he could have done anything about this situation going on in his son's life, it would have already been taken care of. He would have never brought this need to the disciples. And of course, the son was powerless over his own bondage. So here we have it. Three sets of circumstances are people. You've got the disciples who are somewhat embarrassed about what has just transpired. A father that came with a desperate, sincere plea with a serious request. And now it is left undone. And here is a child that cannot be loosed from that that he is facing. Amen. So I pray that God would help us to see this scenario. But what had happened? What was it that happened into his disciples? And, and, and had he not just a few weeks ago sent them out? They were sent by God to cast out demons and heal the sick. And so they've been commissioned. It wasn't like they took this upon themselves. They were commissioned to do this. And now he had been apart from them for only a a brief time. And they stand here powerless. And this was the situation that Jesus encountered at the foot of the mountain of transfiguration. So now how is he going to respond? Verse 19, And he answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? And how long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him. And he fell to the ground and wallowed foaming. That's not a pretty picture, is it? And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tore a rent. Another translation says, the spirit tear him, and he fell to the ground, on the ground, and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since they came on him? And he said, of a child. And all times he has cast himself into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou can't do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, here's a pretty challenging situation, and so I'll speak to the most spiritual giant among us. I don't think that we he, anyone would relish standing here in a situation like this. His disciples had failed. Now all eyes are on Him. No doubt the scribes would have loved to have seen Jesus fail as well. But He handled their challenge with a challenge of His own. He identified the problem as a lack of faith, or as He called it, unbelief. It's a difficult situation Here is a a young man that is severely demon-possessed, and he's been like this since childhood. The situation was serious, but Jesus was up to the challenge. I'm talking about the power of the Lord in us. Jesus said unto him in verse 23, If thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out, this was our text, and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. And so here we see the condition of the miraculous. I just read to you a moment ago that the father said, oftentimes he has cast himself into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. And here's the contingency. But if thou can do anything, This is the Father's cry to the Lord. If thou can do anything. And now we see the scripture. Now is turned around. Jesus replied. If you can. That's just like the Lord. We present things. He turns around hands them right back to us. If you can help me Lord. And the Lord says if you can. It's not about if I can. It's about if you can. The Father's request. Turn back. Into him in a form of a challenge. The challenge was for him to meet the condition of the miraculous, and that condition was to have faith. And faith is always the condition of the kingdom. Can you say amen? If you're going to receive anything from the Lord, we must have faith. The Bible says in Hebrews that without faith it's impossible to please God. But if we come to God, we must come to Him in faith. And so when the Father heard this, He cried out, Lord, I do believe. I do believe, but help thou mine unbelief. Without a doubt in my mind, I think every person in this building can safely say, We have been right there. I do believe that God can work, but sometimes it's hard for me to believe that God can work in my situation. (laughs) I don't have much trouble believing God can do something for you. But it's 621 Southeast Cephas Liston Road. That's where my faith gets weak. Amen. When I turn in there, those circumstances, those situations, it's the Scripture, it's this Scripture that gives me hope. I'm not trying to highlight faithlessness. I'm not trying to do that at all. But it gives me hope because it underlines the central truth that that we don't have to be afraid to confess our inadequacies. I can come to God with my strengths. I know that. But I'm also thankful that I can come to Him with my weaknesses as well. Lord, I do believe. But help me thou mine unbelief. I can confess in the presence of God my struggle with faith. I can humbly come to God and He can bless what little faith I do have and increase that faith. After all, Jesus, the Bible said, if we have just the grain... Faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, so the Lord can reward my faith. And so we see now the confirmation of this in the scripture, because when we exercise our faith, even though it's little faith, the Bible says that that when in verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit. He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more in him. And the spirit cried, and rent him sore, and came out of him, and he was as one dead insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, and lifted him up, and he arose. Now, here's my comfort. The father said, Lord, I do believe but help thou mine unbelief. And so maybe he felt like that his unbelief was so much larger than his belief, but Jesus took what little faith he had. He didn't say, well, go work on that and come see me tomorrow, but he acted upon that faith when he saw that father exercise what little bit of faith he had he moved into action and rebuked that foul spirit and delivered that young man i'm here tonight to tell you that we must have the of God working in us and we stand and say I have this but I don't have that I speak to you tonight and say that if you will step forward on what you do have and not focus on what you don't have the Lord can still move and engage into action upon our faith amen the crowd was gathering and they were only gathering to see what was going to happen And Jesus spoke to that spirit, and that spirit cried and left this young man as though he were dead. But Jesus didn't leave him in that condition, but he touched him and he arose. There's no doubt in my mind that everyone standing there was filled with great joy in what had taken place. However, before we move on, we need to ask ourselves, what really did happen here? If we think the only thing that happened was a father got his prayer answered and a child got delivered, we're missing some nuggets of truth. Why had the disciples failed? And why had Jesus done so differently? I think we can find sufficient answers to those questions in the next verses. The Bible says, "And we was coming to the house, the disciples asked him, Privately. I really love this passage too because I found myself doing the same thing. And when I got away from the crowd and I got by myself I felt like asking the Lord can I ask you something? Could I? I don't mean to be disrespectful but I really have got a perplexity in my spirit. Could I ask you something? Why? Why? Could not we cast him out? And I appreciate the answer. He said unto them, This kind come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. When they ask a sincere question, they were not rebuked, but they were instructed. They were not condemned. He didn't rattle on and on and on about what an embarrassment to the overall movement of the New Testament church they had been. He didn't shame them any more than they had already been shamed themselves. But He met their sincere question with sincere instruction. They didn't understand. They had tried the same thing, or so they thought. But had they really tried the same thing? I believe the disciples had really gone through the same actions, but I think perhaps their faith was in the formula. (laughs) In Jesus' name. And not in the man, Jesus. They had put their faith in the formula rather than the power of God. And Jesus would reveal this by His answer. This can only happen through prayer and fasting. So what Jesus was really revealing was that prayer and fasting is going to be central to any effect of the ministry. And he was saying to them that they had, if they had been in a place of real communication or communion perhaps I should say with God when they tried to deal with this situation then the end result would have been different. And the same is true for us. Again, I'm going to go back to some of our vernacular if we're not prayed up anybody ever heard that terminology (laughs) if we're not prayed up so to speak we might not have the power of God that we think we have when we go to do his work we may roll up our sleeves and I'm going to go back to my opening comments because I'm closing we may roll up our sleeves we may lay out the blueprint And we may have every tool that we need. But if we don't have God, then we've really done nothing of any eternal consequence. And so I just cannot walk to this pulpit without saying, please go with me because I can't do this alone. And you you cannot go to your post of duty and think anything's going to happen just because of your finesse or your smile or or your wit it, it just won't happen. We need the power of God with us. A woman who had tried everything and spent all she had came to the end of herself and pressed her way through the crowd, and you know the story, and touched the hem of his garment. When she did, the scripture says that the virtue went out of Jesus. He said, I perceive somebody has touched me. The disciples somewhat caught up in just the crowd control moment said, you know, look around you. A lot of people are touching you. But he said, no, I perceive somebody's touched me because the virtue. In another word for virtue there is authority. I know someone's touched me because the virtue left my body. And the Bible says that while this was going on, it's kind of a, you got to keep up with both sides of the story, that while Jesus is realizing something has flown, been flowing out of him, this woman realized something has been flowing into her. Because in a moment of time, her condition was touched and healed. And it was all contingent, not upon just the literal touch, a hand that touched the hem of a garment, but it was about the power of God that began to flow into her body, literally. And so the work of God must be done in the power of God. Because if we don't, we will not succeed. And so unless we pray, we will never understand the will of God. We can't just forge on in our own strength, in our own power, in our own ability. Unless we pray, we will never understand the way of God. The Bible says His ways are higher and His thoughts are higher. And so we'll never be able to comprehend the mind of God unless we are on our knees, so to speak, speaking with Him. In closing as our musicians come when when we read this scripture we come to the point to understand a very very important thing and that is that the price of power and I want you to hear me because I've, I've spoke all this up to this moment to say what I'm about to say the price of power is sacrificial while we receive A pardon from God as a gift. Hear me now. We repent of our sins. We're buried in His name. And we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We receive that pardon from God as a gift. But the power of God sometimes has to be purchased. I hope you're following me. And the price, the purchase price that I'm talking about is sacrifice on our part. We must be willing to deny ourselves now to receive power from above. And that's what really, when Jesus mentions these come only by prayer and fasting, when we think about fasting, that's really what fasting is all about. It's it's ref, it's really far more than refraining from food because... Couch in this principle of fasting is self-denial. It's not about just not having a brownie or not having a pot of beans. Couched in the principle of fasting is about saying to your flesh, not now. There's a principle. Fasting was used in order to refrain from worldly indulgence and impulses and, and enables us to concentrate solely upon God. I've talked many times about fasting, and I've always tried and hopefully adequately conveyed that when we're fasting, it's not a just just about turning the plate upside down, so to speak. We don't just refrain from literal food, but we refrain from literal food, and then we turn ourselves to spiritual food. And and so we talk about many times the the time that we would spend normally eating. That's when we ought to be reading the Word of God, or that's when we ought to be in prayer, because this is not just about crucifying self for the sake of crucifying self, but it's about, it's about putting something in our, in, in our spirit. And so I, I'm sure that this text means much, much more than we could ever wrap our minds around, but there's implied here a refraining from sin and refraining from things of this world. And so here's the bottom line, I suppose, of what I'm shooting at here this evening is that we must be willing to pay the price necessary in order to have the power of God. Because power with God revolves around our relationship to Him. And here is the extreme bottom line. If you never make any deposits, you don't have the privilege to withdraw. (laughs) And so there's a good reason that I'm not going to show up at such and such bank in in the morning. And just slap my hand on the counter and say, I'd like $100 out of my account. I don't have an account there. And so what's most likely to happen is they're going to handcuff me and haul me off. (laughs) And so all of these people that say, do I have to, do I have to, do I have to? No, you don't have to. No, you don't have to. Uh Huh? You don't have to do that but if you want power with God. This is not about minimum payments here. This is not seeing how far we can stretch this thing out. If you want to pray with authority, you're going to have to have the power of God in you. If you want to lay hands on somebody with results, then it's going to not just be about how you can phrase your words when you pray. It's not gonna be about how you place your hand on somebody's head, but it's the authority and the power of God that follows with demonstration. It's not about really, uh, really, it's not about what happens in the course of the service, and I'm not denouncing or devaluing anything that we do. It's not really about a lot of the program, but it's about what happens when it's all said and done. Is this gonna be followed by any sort of demonstration? Or is this just all gonna be about us? And some show. And so power with God revolves around our relationship with Him. And so if you never make any deposits, you lose your right to withdraw. But if you've been making regular deposits, you can write a check with confidence. You can swipe a debit card with great confidence you can walk to the counter and look the person on the other side of that counter square in the eyes and say I would like this much out of my account and not a penny less amen and you know what they're going to do they're going to look on the computer on the other side and they're going to just see if you've got the means to cover your request And when you do, they smile back and hand you what you've asked for and away you go. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence, but I'm telling you tonight that we can't do this on our own. We've got to have the power of God in us. A man came with tears in his eyes and said, please have pity and help me. I do believe, but I'm struggling in my belief. And Jesus said, that's enough. That's enough. Amen. Let's stand together. The power of God. The power of God. You can't wish somebody out of sin. If we could wish people out of sin, there wouldn't be room to park a car here. If you could think people out of their tragedies and their all of the the trouble in their lives, it would already be done. It would already be history. But some people need to encounter someone with the power to pray a prayer of faith that can release something from heaven. Amen. Can you just let God speak something into your spirit right now? In Jesus' name. Why don't we just entertain His presence here right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, thank you Lord. He touched me.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the media Ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic.